0: the Athletic
3: Instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open how's about subscribing to The Athletic for just £4 a month you'll get unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts including this one find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com forward slash league show
1: Max Mac's back, there are calls for the Lambo to be driven out of Portman Road, and a boot went high on Dale Fry's eye. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Hi gang, Matt Davis-Adams here to run down all the big EFL news and notes. I'm joined by the only man with warm balls this weekend. I'm talking, of course, about Sam Parkin and his starring role in the draw for the
0: quarterfinals
1: of the Papa John's Trophy. Uh, very professional, Sam. Were you not tempted to go full Rod Stewart?
0: Nah, Crouchy did it the other day, overkill, just get the job done because Colin wasn't going to be sympathetic if I messed that up, as you can all imagine. He was like, don't mess it up, don't mess it up repeatedly. So I just sweated and shaked a little bit and got it done.
1: Yeah, well, he did a very good job. Uh, like the rest of us, Adrian
4: clark has been drawn at home for the best part of a year. Itching for an away fixture then, Clarky, Absolutely, yeah. Although I was in the garden all, all weekend, uh, making snowmen, snow, snowball fights, sledging. Absolutely brilliant. Loved it. Good stuff. Uh, Michelle Owen is back
1: with us too. Michelle, quite the weekend uh, for you as well, I hear. First lined up to cover the mighty Chelsea women, only for that to get postponed. And then what happened?
5: Well, actually, that wasn't the first thing. I was meant to be at QPR Derby, but due to rejigs and various things, that got cancelled. So, not funnily enough, it's not funny at all. Our dog was really unwell, and then it was a good thing I was here on Saturday, so that was a nice coincidence that the game was called off. And then, yeah, we wake up to a lovely snow day on the Sunday, and then it's quite a serious story, but it has a happy ending. We're walking out of our clothes down the road. Um, The snow's pretty much thawed by then, a few cars out and about, and we just hear someone scream. No 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 and we looked up and saw literally just someone it looked like they were flying in front of us and land on the pavement in bright yellow ran over and a car had plunged into a cyclist now all is well i feel like at this point i have to say all is well like he, he was there for a while and we live next door to like six nurses and doctors so they sorted it out while we just gave cups of tea and hot water bottles but the first thing that happened is i ran over was the dog, uh, our dog Barney, suddenly had a resurgence of health, sprinted over, and this poor man lying face down the ground, what's the first thing that happens as he's coming around? He's being licked, being given the kiss of life by my dog. <laughs> so I was a little bit mortified. I was like, are you okay? That's my dog was literally yeah licking everything off his face. So, yeah, that was quite an eventful afternoon, rather than being at um, the Chelsea-Bristol City game. I was there with my dog Suddenly feeling fine, helping a cyclist that had been knocked off his bike. Not my usual weekend.
1: Wow. Will the next part of the pod be as dramatic as that story? <laughs> Almost <laughs> certainly not. Um, it is time, though, for the most acronym filled feature in podcasting. Yes, it's EFL FACPOTW or Pot Where, if you'd rather. Uh, tweak to the usual format 15 seconds to tell us which EFL player impressed most in the cup. In the weekend pass, we're sticking the 15-second timer on this. Uh, Sam, you can go first. Your time starts now.
0: Yeah, I'm going for Liam Cullen at Swansea. Got a brace against Forest, partly because you're a Forest fan, Matt, and it's always amusing, and I enjoyed that thoroughly that they got smashed. Um, could easily have gone for Matt Grimes, scored a brilliant goal, but this lad's had a tough season, just three starts in the league. Not done brilliantly when he's been given opportunity. Nice brace from him. Fantastic. Well done, mate.
1: Good. Yeah. Enjoyed reliving that. Uh nobody's gone for Carl Jenkinson or Guyton Bong, I noticed, <laughs> which is um which is not that surprising. Uh, Michelle, I think you've got the um the best pick here. You've gone for Ben Tozer. So your fifteen seconds to tell us why starts now.
5: Yeah, maybe an obvious pick, but Cheltenham defender Ben Tozer, led by example, had that renowned long throw-in that followers of Cheltenham know only too well. And that led to Alfie May putting Cheltenham ahead. Also made a fantastic goal-line clearance from Benjamin Meddy's efforts. was fabulous.
1: And got man-marked by Pep Guardiola while he tried to take a throw-in, which was yeah, one of that the That was very
5: funny. And he got <laughs> under his skin for sure.
1: Uh, Okay, I'm going to go next because I've picked what I think is by a wide margin the weakest selection of the four, so just get it out of the way. Uh, My 15 seconds, talking about Nicky Wells, starts now. Uh, A goal and an assist for the Bristol City striker as the Robins dump Millwall out of the cup at the Den. A much-needed boost for the Bermudan, who'd gone 10 games without scoring before Saturday, but was the key man here as City made it through to round five for just the second time in 20 years.
0: (laughs) Just quickly, why is he what? no longer Naki Wells, just out of interest? Because I've heard a few people go down this route. Yeah, I don't know, but I heard him on uh,
1: another podcast, which I won't name, uh, and he said it's Nikki, not Naki. That's the type no of way. answer I was looking for. Thank mm. you.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well,
1: I, I, whenever a player says, this is how you say my name, that's what I tend to go with, even though it can be extremely difficult to get them to tell you how to say said name. Uh, no such problems with Callum Styles, Adrian. We can all pronounce that fairly
4: easily. Your 15 seconds to convince us that, that he's the pick of the week starts now. Look, it's not a fashionable pick, but Barnsley's Callum Styles was brilliant in an understatedly excellent 1-0 win against Norwich. Busy throughout, he scored a lovely goal and crucially sprinted back to make a great goal-saving block near the end. Now wonder Brentford are sniffing around him
1: good timing really good timing that Um, good enjoyed that head to at the totally show on Twitter to vote right let's get to the championship Ronaldo and Messi, a rivalry
2: for our times. But like all those striving to be the best in their chosen field, they need each other. They drive each other on. Like me and Jeff, the other voiceover guy. Hey, Jeff?
1: Introducing,
2: Introducing toothpaste. toothpaste. It's paste for your teeth. Cardi's good. Well, something that is unrivaled is Paddy Power's offer of a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus 4 ACA lets you down. Paddy Power! Stay in your lane, Jeff. Max free bet £10. Min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude shop bets and enhanced match odds. TCC Supply, 18BGamblerWord.org.
3: This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
1: Championship headlines Mick McCarthy is back. He's the new Cardiff boss after six straight. defeats, saw the end of Neil Harris's reign with the Bluebirds. Some wages have been paid at Derby County, but the takeover saga rumbles on. Bright to Samuel will be leaving QPR for Fenerbahce this month rather than the end of the season. And on the pitch, there were wins for Watford, Derby and Blackburn, whilst Preston and Reading shared the points, but not the goals. so So he's back up in the game, running things to keep his swing, letting all the people know that he's back to run the show. Big Mick energy in South Wales then. Uh, when the news broke that Neil Harris was gone, we thought Paul Cook might be the man to take it. Cardiff, though, had other plans. Uh, last time Mick was in an EFL dugout 2018 in charge of Ipswich. Michelle, it feels kind of obvious to say that the response here is kind of meh. This is not very inspiring. So what what are the positives of appointing Mick McCarthy in 2021?
5: Well, I was at the game on... Wednesday when Cardiff lost to QPR and yeah there was just that sort of feeling that if if Harris lost he was gone and he took 45 minutes to come out for his post-match so I wondered if something had been said then but apparently not so when we heard about McCarthy being appointed was a little bit surprised because perhaps not the most inspiring choice I think from what I've heard He's a very good man-manager. He can put his arm around a player, and well, we've seen the pictures. He literally put his arm around a player. I've already seen a photo of it with Harry Wilson, and get their confidence back up. You look across that Cardiff team. They had no whip. They had no sparkle. Okay, they're missing a few key players like Lee Tomlin. There's no, there's no playmaker there right now. There's no excitement for Cardiff. And I know under Neil Warnock, perhaps they didn't always have that flair but under Neil Harris, they they did lose their way a bit, and I felt from because he had a bad run back in November, and then he won a load on the bounce. But this time, he hasn't been given the patience. So I think he will come in. Players like Josh Murphy, Harry Wilson for Cardiff, he can do that arm round tactic. He can give them a boost and give them a bit of confidence because across the team, that's just absolutely lacking now. They need some flair, and they just need a bit of creativity and a bit of. It seems it's just lacking a bit of fun. That whole squad just a bit dour and down.
1: Uh, Sam, Neil Warnock, former Cardiff manager. I wonder if his appointment at Borough did anything to influence Cardiff's thinking here. You know, similar sort of situation that he came into there last time around. They're thinking steady hand on the tiller, get us through to the end of the season.
0: Yeah, maybe. Um, I agree with Michelle in terms of the, the man management. Mick was interested in taking me to Sunderland once and I was quite excited at the, the prospect, but he came to watch me and I was useless. Um and that was the end of that interest, sadly. I think Tommy Mooney scored twice and he nearly took Tommy and Tommy was about 40 by that stage. Um so that but I've always thought I'd like to play for him and and friends of mine have really enjoyed it. I was really underwhelmed when I saw the appointment, that said. But I'd like to point you towards Danny Gabadon's tweets at this point because I wholeheartedly agree with Gabs it's obviously Cardiff man for a safe pair of hands to the end of the season can see the logic no problem but then there has to be a plan
1: Clucky, how do you feel if you're Max Waters? This might have happened to you in your career before. You signed for one manager, and then a couple of weeks later, you're working for somebody else. It's got to be a bit
4: disconcerting. Yeah, it's not ideal timing, is it? It's his dream move, and he would have had other options as well. So, so yeah, the manager that that really wanted you is no longer there. It's not good. Yeah, it has happened to me. I I agreed to join Southend United when Ronnie Whelan was the manager, and then he and then he resigned. Uh, maybe because of that, I don't know. And then, and then, um, so I signed for, for for the team with no manager, and that was a bit risky. Turned out to be Alvin Martin, who was by and large uh, good with me, so so it was okay. But but yeah, it's it's not not easy for for Watters. Obviously, Perry Perry and G's coming in from Crew as well, so we'll we'll see how it goes. I I endorse exactly what the other guys have said. He does have a track record. Let's let, I know that people want to label him a dinosaur, but. Won the league, didn't he, with Sunderland and Wolves and I thought did a pretty good job with with Ipswich and Millwall in the Championship on on not great budgets. So tried and tested and probably the right guy to to get to the end of the season, as Sam says, with this group of players before there's a a rebuild and maybe a rebrand. I agree. I remember saying this last year when we were sat in the studio that that squad needed ripping up and starting again. And they, they sort of, it's a bit of a half measure. Um, this summer, I think they really do need to do that. Uh, well, he'll be
1: back in Yorkshire at Big Mick for his first game. It is away to Barnsley on Wednesday night. Uh, let's get to some actual football then. Friday night football, in fact. It was a great pottery's throwdown for Watford as a classic Deeney pen and a smashing Sar goal bought the Hornets three points against Stoke. Um, Adrian, this this felt like Troy Deeney at uh, his best. If ever anyone was going to do it on a cold Friday night in Stoke, it was going to be Deeney.
4: Yeah, he made the difference, didn't he? He he was it was interesting. I know Sam referenced it on on the Quest Show, just sort of dropping in behind and and, and linking up beautifully. It was a, a gorgeous through ball, wasn't it, for for Sars goal and a cracking finish, I have to say, right across the keeper. And it, yeah, it wasn't a great game. It wasn't full of sort of enterprising football, but but Deeney's football brain I think came to the fore it's not just about brawn with him he's, he's definitely got got football intelligence as well um it was a slightly imbalanced team I, th- I thought from Watford with, with cleverly playing on the right but also tucking in I, I sort of always think that's a bit hard on the on the wide player to do that I remember Aaron Ramsey having to do that a lot for Arsenal he can do it cleverly but it's not not ideal but look you can't Knock this new new manager, can you? I think four efficient wins out of five now for Watford three three wins in a row, so they're they're looking solid. And, and Sierra, Alta, Francisco Sierra, Alta has come into the team and, and and done really well under the new Gaffer too.
1: Uh, he's clever, isn't he, Michelle Zisco, to try and get Troy Deeney on side. He was excellent. I love him because he gives everything. He always gives me the best. We, we've seen in in recent months and years that y- you kind of need Troy on the same page as you if you're going to stay in the Watford job for more than six months.
5: Yeah, especially what we heard about what happened when Ivic went and things and the rumours behind that. He certainly knows how to keep Troy Deeney happy and with that praise. It was only Watford's third away league win of the season but everyone I've sort of spoken to, and when we spoke about it on Quest a couple of weeks ago, is, is we're not quite sure what their identity is. And maybe he wants to make Deeney, you know, the heart of, of the squad again, pushing them forward. And Troy Deeney loves that, doesn't he? Um, and suddenly they're back in third place. And we know the championship's crazy and teams can go up, down, places all the time but although Swansea have played a game more a few weeks ago I was thinking yeah no I do really fancy Swansea for that that second place but now with Watford firing again yeah they've just creeped back up although the teams around them do have games in hand so they're just going to have to have to stay consistent and Stoke is not an easy place to go and get a win so it's a big win for them.
1: What's happened to Stoke? Sam, just looking at their recent results, they haven't won a game since the, the 19th of December. Is it injuries the biggest factor here or is there something
0: else that you've noticed? Um, I just think they're a bit short, to be honest. I think the obvious thing from this particular defeat was the lack of a striker. I think that Campbell's injury has really killed them, to be quite frank. I think he's brought the average age down considerably. Uh, He's obviously introduced some younger players like Suter at the back, for example. But looking at that in isolation, I think for me, they'd be better in a 4-2-3-1 with Powell playing off uh, a striker. I think Gregory's going to be available soon. Uh, Fletcher obviously came on and scored and Michael O'Neill has spoken that he's not going to have the ability to bring someone in at the moment. It's hard to go and get a striker that's going to transform your fortunes in January, but to me they look better in, in that setup. Um, and I think with the sign of Dowty in particular, obviously they've got some some youthful players in on loan like Clark and Matondo just for this season. But having been a lot of teams, a lot of people's dark horses, I think they may just fall short this year, and it'll be about next season for for Michael O'Neill when he's had an opportunity to really mould. And and still you can't forget the problems there's been at that club you know the the high wages the players that they've had to to move on the players that maybe are still there that don't want to be at the club so um I think next season is going to be the one for Stoke to be quite frank but I'd be surprised if they don't just alter the system
4: great goal wasn't it loved it
1: Fletcher Joe Allen looking for Fletcher very neatly worked and beautifully finished off too Stoke City aren't giving up on this game without a fight
4: I thought I thought it was a beautiful little one-two between Fletcher and Allen, two two players of pedigree. I think Fletcher coming back is is big, isn't it? And and I completely agree. I think Powell off of Fletcher or Vokes or even a Gregory is is probably the way forward with uh, with Campbell out for a while.
1: So that was Friday. Meanwhile, on Sunday at the Riverside, Blackburn beat Middlesbrough by a goal to nil. Joe Rothwell got it. The real headline, though, Jared Branthwaite's high boot on Dale Fry's face. If you've not seen it yet, don't bother. It's horrid. Uh, Neil Warnock, understandably angry about the whole situation. Doctor says he's a millimetre from losing our ball. That turned all game for me, that. I was gutted for Dale when he saw the mess he were in. Um, he saw it. Michelle, but the referee somehow didn't or didn't think it was a penalty. We spoke last week about how the standard of officiating in the championship isn't great. This was incredible that, that, that the official managed to miss it.
5: Yeah, I suppose it's, it's always easier in hindsight when you have replays and slow-mo, but even in real time, it looked like, like a kung fu kick sort of thing. I don't, it, it's not malicious. you know. I'm pretty sure it was from what I've seen, that he was going for, for, for the ball and would never mean to do that. And Dale Fry was stooping in a little bit as well. And we've seen high boots given for far, far less this season. We couldn't quite work out on Wednesday whether Charlie Austin had that goal to allowed for a high boot. I saw from our you get a second yellow and sent off a few weeks ago for attempting an overhead kick. So you'd think it was actually something that the referees were keeping an eye out for this season, given those instances and, and a few more as well. And oh, have you seen the pictures of Dale Fry's eye after? <laughs> it's absolutely horrendous. And Look, we know Neil Warnock does like to have a rant about a referee occasionally. So, yeah, I, I don't know how he's missed it. Because if you're looking at the action, if you're looking at the ball, no matter where, which way you look at it, a sort of 360 view, it's quite clear what happened. It's quite clear that his, his foot was really high. And how, how do he think it happened? You know, don't you go and speak to your assistant about that? And how have they not spotted it? So I can see why Warnock was, was so aggrieved. But, of course, there was the rest of the game left after that.
1: Yeah, it was a somewhat convenient explanation. Sam, when that happens, something like that happens to a teammate, is it difficult for for the rest of you to, to shake it off and forget about it? Or do you just accept that that's going to happen every so often and get on with the game?
0: Yeah, I think you just, you just get on with it. Obviously, you're concerned for your teammate. Yeah, I think it was, obviously, it was a penalty and it was a it was a red card and it, it would have changed the complexion of the game, no doubt. So I can understand why, Neil Warnock's upset about that. Um, of course, he'd be concerned about his player's welfare and his player's injury and the safety. But if the hand was, <laughs> if it was on the other foot, he probably would have said it was an innocuous challenge and that the player didn't mean it. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I can't take Neil Warnock at, at face value there, really. I think, it, yeah, he, he probably would have said that it was just an innocuous challenge had it been his player. The only thing I will say is, we're not there. We don't know what gets said. If Branthwaite has been remorseful and apologetic and all that, we don't know what's gone on and what's prompted that at full time. Um, In my experience, I had my face rearranged by Dan Harding's left boot and I got no apology. I think it it, it wasn't Dan. I later played with Dan, but I think it was more his teammates. They were quite a physical, aggressive Brighton side and it was a playoff game as well. Um, But... I've always gone in the dressing room if I've injured someone. I remember catching Gary Kelly with an elbow really nasty cut winning at half time to apologize. You know, we don't know what's gone on on that day and what's re- it might have irked all the um the Middlesbrough players as well. So we don't know, but I th- I think to go and berate a young lad if he's if he has apologized and he has been remorseful is um it's poor form from the Warnock.
4: It, it, it's a bit intimidating as well, isn't it, for a Warnock to sort of confront a young lad like that. And, and it's hard for a teenager, a rookie teenager as well, to to just go into the dressing room and, you know, an alien environment and, and apologise. So I, I wouldn't dig him out for that. He didn't mean it. He didn't, he didn't mean to hurt him. Um, sorry. Yeah. But it, but it was a pen and it, it should have been a red.
1: Yeah, certainly look that way. Um, let's have a chat about some some transfers of note. Not too many that have really caught the eye since last we met. Uh, Producer Abby is desperate for me to mention Harry Darling. Uh, who signed for MK Dons? Apparently, this is in homage to Blackadder, but I've got to confess I've never seen Blackadder. So, um, what do you want, darling? Yeah, Abby looks very cross about that, but that's just a fact. Um, some that have happened Clough leaves Forest. That's not a 30 year old headline. Zach has joined Stoke. Good on him. Saw the best years of his career wasted at the
4: City Ground. Uh, Clarkie Forest, I've got Philip Kravinovich in from, from West Brom. Did you like him last season? He was pretty good, yeah. I was slightly surprised that West Brom had got rid of him. I, I, I guess that um sam All- he's probably not a, a sam allardyce type player but he, he was someone that that was creative could play i think he was at his best as a sort of number 10 really i don't know whether forrester in desperate need of, of one of those at the moment or not he can he can play as a more orthodox midfielder as well yeah he, he's busy he's skillful will be good over set plays can can deliver quality into the box so so it's it's a decent acquisition he comes from benfica He's a player of, of of high pedigree, so look. Will he make the difference on his own to Nottingham Forest? No, but but I do feel that they they need someone um, creative in that side just to just to get them going. Any other transfers that anybody's
1: noticed that they would like to talk about?
5: It hasn't happened yet, but it's just one that's been been rumbling on for a little while. K. Gordon, the youngster at Derby, reportedly now Liverpool sort of reading, uh, leading the le- the race to perhaps secure a signature from him, which they can't do yet because um, he's a youngster and and what have you, but apparently a million pounds they're going to pay for him. He can't sign professional terms yet. Uh, I thought Manchester United were meant to be interested in Tottenham as well. I just wonder how much Wayne Rooney will influence him too. Because if you're Kay Gordon, you're a 16-year-old and Wayne Rooney is your manager and he's an attacking player, surely you go to him for some words of wisdom. So it'll be interesting to see sort of which way he swayed and I'm quite intrigued to see what's what's going to happen because he's been in the squad a few times now at Derby, hasn't he? And whether Rudy will utilise him, how much he'll use him and, and what we see from him before he, it seems, inevitably goes to a big club.
0: I think I alluded to it on Saturday. I think Stephanie Hansen might be going to QPR and he's obviously going to replicate what he did for Fulham, fire QPR all the way up the table and uh, win the playoffs. <laughs>
4: <laughs> obviously, yeah. and um, I think Dan Crowley going to, to Hull is interesting from from Birmingham, talented boy at Arsenal, didn't quite make it, went to Holland, did well, came back to Birmingham. So 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 he's someone that can help them with their sort of um, push for promotion. Also a, a sort of triple signing from Salford. You, you knew that Salford were going to be active in this window. Paul Coots from Fleetwood, I think, is is a is a good acquisition. Tom James on loan from Hibbs. Now Tom James has been excellent for Wigan so far this season, scored scored one amazing goal. Um, I think it was against Portsmouth, but he scored he scored a few this season. So that's a smart one. And Robbie Gotts, young lad from Leeds up top, he scored at the weekend. So yeah, watch watch Salford go with these three new faces, I think. Good stuff.
1: Uh, in spite of overwhelming evidence to the contrary, we still believe we can pick a winning midweek acco <laughs> with the help of our sponsor, Paddy Power. Um, let's have a championship selection from you, please, Michelle.
5: OK, I'm going for Bristol City to beat Huddersfield, which is probably quite stupid because Huddersfield seems so unpredictable and they've had a few sort of surprise, impressive results. But Bristol City might just be finding their feet a little. Um, despite that loss to Norwich, they managed to overcome their bogey side Preston before that. Uh, thrashed Millwall in the FA Cup at the weekend and as you said Nicky or Naki Wells um, was outstanding and they had a, a few standout performances maybe things for Dean Holder just starting to click a little bit back into place at home at Ashton Gate as well um, fancy them for that.
1: Abby, what odds can you give us on that please?
3: Well Paddy Power have them as the favourites uh, there 13-10 to 10, whilst uh, Huddersfield are 19-10 to 10, so uh, Paddy Power I don't think it's a stupid choice,
1: <laughs> and they're usually right. All right, we'll keep building that as we go on. But League One is up next.
2: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
3: On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams.
1: League 1 headlines Hull smash 4 past Portsmouth to remain top of the division on 45 points with Lincoln, who also won. Peterborough are up to third following their success at Ipswich after their shocking start to the season. Oxford now into the top half of the table. Rochdale continue to have high-scoring draws, and at the bottom, Wimbledon out of the relegation zone following their draw with Crewe. Only one place we can begin, though. That's Hull's thumping 4-0 win over Portsmouth
4: at Fratton Park. Um,
1: Clark, are you an honest man or are you going to tell me that you saw
4: this coming? Oh, no, absolutely. I didn't see this coming. I thought this was going to be a really low-scoring game. Two, two teams that had been defending superbly in, in the run-up to it. But but Pompey had an off day, didn't they? It happens. And and Hull were really, really clinical. I thought it was an outstanding performance from them in terms of energy and work rate and, and, and just general busyness. And maybe the front three kind of... Set the tone for that you've got white who's coming on loan um, Lewis Potter up front with Wilkes as well that, that's a that's a front three that's full of sort of enterprise and, and energy and, and behind them the midfield any midfield containing honeymoon is is bright as well so so yeah they're, they're a team that, that that have got good vibes at the moment very very sort of effervescent Hull city uh, contrast really to what we saw from them um, after January last season, so so yeah, full full credit to them. Took their chance, took their chances well in the game and and thoroughly deserved the win. But we have to consider them, you know, favourites probably to, to to get top two now.
1: Sam, have we given been giving Grant McCann enough credit this season? Do you think working with one arm tied behind his back in a lot of ways, we know what a mess he'll have been behind the scenes for the last few years, and and as Clarky
0: says, really turned it round from the second half of last season. I think we have on this podcast, yeah, because I think he's, I think it surprised all of us, the, the mess that that place was in last year. You would never have imagined, then, to be able to be this consistent. And having seen him on a few occasions, it's funny because they don't, they don't really excite you, They don't blow you away. Something smashed at Fleetwood early part of the season, and um, but just really consistent and completely dominated that game. I think the midfield's excellent to be doing it without. I know McGuinness came on and scored, but I spoke about the lack of a real focal point the other day. So to be doing it with Lewis Potter uh, and Wilkes and White, I think it's outstanding and and a really youthful defence. The two lads, Device and, and Burke, I thought were excellent at times last season. That partnership's obviously been broken up by uh, Device leaving for QPR and, and Burke being suspended. Yet they, they put on... A brilliant performance completely dominated the opening 20 minutes I watched the first half Portsmouth could hardly get out not loads on on the goal but just really pushed Portsmouth back Curtis was dreadful coming back in Harness is having a, a really difficult time forced Kenny Jacket into two changes at the break and if anything they were worse in the second half changed it and tried to play through Hull City a little bit more with more technical passing midfielders in the side and Didn't work. So great day for Hull City. And and yeah, both of them, I think, big title contenders now. Big title contenders. Portsmouth won't. Portsmouth will come back from
4: this, but it was a good day for Hull. Just a quickie, that they've scored in all but two games, Hull City, this season, um, which I think is is a tremendous achievement, given that they don't have that one mega prolific frontman. So yeah, they've got goals from everywhere.
1: Um, Michelle Pompey kept, six clean sheets in a row in the league before this does does that make it easier or more difficult to to get over this can can you just say oh well we'll get back to what we were doing in the last couple of weeks and this was just a blip or was it something more serious than that
5: oh you'd hope it's just a a blip I mean they had 11 shots themselves but only one on target so I yeah considering their form before you would maybe just put it down to, to an off day um one transfer I could have mentioned before was actually George Byers has gone there on loan from Swansea. And he, I've seen him play for Swansea quite a lot. I was quite surprised he's moved away, but with them signing horror hand, that's probably why. So um, I think he might be quite a nice addition into their midfield, push things forward a little bit. And and like the guys said there, they're not out of it by any means. It was a very big game in terms of you look at both of them, whether on points now it moves Hull three points above them. So it was a massive game for both of them, but it's not going to blow their season apart or anything, I I don't think.
0: That's a great point from Michelle because they they really lack they've lacked an an out and out number ten I would say and they've shuffled it around recently and had great success playing more of a, a front two but Byers has been really good when I've seen him on occasions and and Charlie Daniels as well coming in to bolster them at left back which I think's been a bit of a problem area if Charlie can replicate anything that he has been um, during his Championship and Premier League career I think he's been really good for Shrewsbury in the last couple of outings so that looks like a clever bit of business so yeah I think
4: that the business they've done so far excellent. Can I just say guys um, what about the groundsman at Fratton Park? The stripes on that pitch a different class aren't they? I mean is it just me that's impressed by this kind of thing they're very yeah. thin and they go crisscross I just think there's not enough of that Around the EFL. I, I want to see. there's
5: some rules, like, that you couldn't do that for a while or something. I can't remember. Am I being really silly? Or I, was that a dream? There was like, definitely
4: just, a rule a, rule against something. circular ones, Michelle. And, and sort Yeah, of Leicester got a bit crazy with it, didn't they, I think? That yeah. Was, uh, yeah, but that was but I just love the sort of, yeah, the thinness. It's, it's, an, it's a single old school mower. He puts in the hours, that guy. And I think he's been rewarded with a great looking pitch.
1: OK, um, maybe get Netflix or something. I don't know, <laughs> just <laughs> find another hobby. Lincoln 2, Northampton 1. Uh, we're mainly here for that That Danny Rose goal. Uh, Lincoln's goals came from McGrandalls and Scully. Abby says that sounds like a pirate duo. I, th- I think it's more like a, a firm of chartered accountants, personally. But, but Lincoln, gritty as well as glamorous now. Michelle, what's to stop them from finishing the season in the position they are now?
5: Well, um, who was it that said that they were going to win the league? Who was it? it? Sam, were you there? It was someone on Quest. Didn't they say they were going to win the league? Was it Sam Allardyce?
1: Might have I think it was Sam Allardyce.
5: And a couple of people like, what? But, yeah, I think Michael Afton's doing doing a great a great job. You know, he sent McGrandles on and he gets a goal. And, OK, you can say sometimes when you're a manager that that's lucky when, when those things happen, but it does feel... Everything he's sort of deciding to do and the decision he's making, I'll go. I'll go in his ways uh, at the moment. And yeah, they're second and they've got a game in hand as well. I know you we're talking about Hull sort of potentially almost being nailed on the top two now, but I'm not sure. I think I think Lincoln wasn't that far off. They could potentially go all the way because they've got that game in hand. And with that game in hand, they win it. They're three points above Hull at the top. And yeah, Michael Appleton's doing a fantastic job there. And I don't know. I don't know if many people saw this coming. I know he got a lot of his own players in, and he's he's got them playing how he wants, and he's put that stamp on it with the players he brought in. He brought so many in, didn't he? But yeah, I'm I'm pleased for I'm pleased for Lincoln because I think when the when the Cowley brothers left, and we had them on Quest a couple, uh, Danny Cowley a couple of weeks ago, and he still loves them so much. And he say wants them to do well, and he says the town is just so invested, or the city is so invested in them. Such a shame since the bank isn't full at the moment, but. If they were, perhaps that would propel them on to, to greater heights. But, yeah, I, I really fancy them.
1: Um, Appleton needed this, Adrian, didn't he? Because his, his managerial career had been pretty nomadic and, and he'd never achieved sort of massive success anywhere. So this is this is getting his stock up a little bit more. Yeah,
4: Oxford fans loved him, I know that. Um, but he didn't stick around for, for, for great periods anywhere else, did he? So, so yeah, look, he, he, his stock has probably never been higher. Than it is right now. Clearly he's got a very good good eye for a player, but he's got everyone to sort of coin a Mikel Arteta phrase he's got everyone on the boat, hasn't he? They they seem to be pulling together and because uh, there's a number of low knees there, but but they seem very, very committed to the cause. Some great football, a good width down the sides with with two young attacking uh fullbacks, Hopper I really like. I know Sam's a big fan of him, still gutted that that he didn't stick around at South End. For longer, um, yet yeah, lots and lots to like about Lincoln. The one, the one thing that that might cost them is depth. But that, that, that's the only thing I can think of. If they if they suffer big injuries to to, to key players, that could derail them. But but right now they're they're on a roll. Stand that Danny Rose goal! Hold should, should oh, the overhead kick!
5: Oh ho ho! Danny Rose! Well that is the best consolation goal you'll ever see. But we're in the 96th minute so poor old Danny Rose can't even celebrate it.
1: Today as we record Monday is the anniversary of Trevor Sinclair's overhead kick for QPR against Barnsley. I'm I'm guessing you're thinking that that Rose can't hold a candle
0: to that. <laughs> I was there Matt, I was there. Um no that 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 is the best. Um unbelievable. I love love Trevor. It doesn't happen much anymore came from bottom tier from Blackpool to QPR and straight into the team. I think QPR finished fifth in his first season. He was phenomenal. And he's one of the people that I've met and gone ridiculously shy um, <laughs> because he was such a hero of mine. But yeah, that that is the benchmark. That said, Danny Rose is a player that I've always liked and always talked up. And he's not getting, well, he came off the bench, didn't he, at the weekend to, to get that goal. He's a really excellent finisher. Northampton weird, just unrecognisable from last season. And I remember saying it in the the wake of the playoff victory, like letting so many good players go, like McCormack and uh Vidal and Oliver, obviously. And I don't, you know, the know the um the finances inside out, but I just thought it was really odd. And he's built almost a new team, three new players into the the side, but they did look a bit more cohesive, um that said. And to just go Clarkie, uh full-blown Clarky for a moment.
4: <laughs>
0: I remember saying something similar last year. They've fallen behind 12 times this season and only taken one point, one draw from those 12 games. So for a Northampton team who we think of being robust and quite old school, there's a bit of a soft underbelly there, which was, was evident last year as well.
4: I'll, I'll back that up. Sam, great stat by the way. Thanks, um, mate. Yeah, great stat. I've got I've got one of my own, just just so as you know. Um, but but it complements your excellent stat against the top eleven, one point, one point, which again shows you that they're not this sort of team that bloodies the nose of the big boys. Don't really do that against the bottom half, only two defeats. So yeah, kind of turned into flat track bullies in in a way. So yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're onto something there. Uh Sam Stat was better, I think. I think so. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ipswich
1: nil, Peterborough one then. Um Ipswich's woes well continuing. They go down here despite Posh not having any shots on target and missing a penalty. Maybe that tells us more about Ipswich than it does about Peterborough terrific own goal here. Um pretty unlucky with that disallowed one though, Sam. That that mm-hmm. should have stood, shouldn't it?
0: Yeah, one of those that you're just watching over and over again and just couldn't get my nut around, to be honest. The, the whistle went prior to him having the volley, so it suggests that they thought it was out of play. And then no complaints, really. For, I think it was Luke Chambers who hooked it back in. There was no complaints from anyone, which probably underlines where Ipswich are right now. And I've got a, a notepad page here full of statistics and what have you, but it's just desperate. I think Clark, he's spoken about their record against the the top Seven, And it's abysmal over the last two seasons against top 10 sides, played 27, won 4, drawn 8, lost 15. 20 points from possible 81. And that j- just shows you where they are. Is real distinct lack of creativity. No goal scorers in that side at the weekend. I think Gwion Edwards is the top goal scorer with five. Um, Bishop maybe, I think, has got four. Um, one shot on target, as you said, Matt, in the 80th minute um, in a home game. I don't agree with what the local papers have gone with this morning. Um, I think the news broke yesterday that they've started a a campaign, in-house campaign to get rid of the manager. I'm not sure I'm on board with that. I don't think it's particularly helpful. I know you've got to be the voice of the supporters, but I don't think that's particularly helpful for the players uh, with the Situation that they're in currently, the way the world is, the way that they're going to have to turn themselves around quickly for another fixture, I'm not sure. But it's not going to end uh, with a playoff campaign, I don't think, at the moment. I just don't really know what Ipswich are. They try to reinvent themselves as a possession side, but they have no thrust when they get into dangerous areas.
4: Can I, I just politely disagree with Sam on this? Having sort of worked for a local paper, my sort of embryonic journalist days, you've got a job to do, haven't you? And 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 and, and these people can't kid the fans. You've got you know they're watching it with 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 real detail. They can't lie. And if, and if the the local journalists are sort of pandering and going softly, softly with with the club and what they're seeing, um, then then people will see through that. And they'll start to stop buying the papers. They'll stop reading the website. They won't be interested. So I, I get it. It's definitely not helpful. And, the, and 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 Lambert will hate it. They'll probably ban them for the next game.
5: I was going to say, will they ban <laughs> yeah, them? Yeah, probably. What I was thinking
0: like <laughs> would, they won't be allowed in. <laughs> wouldn't be the Might first Can it stay on the back page though in the sports? Headlines and in the match report yeah. and in the critique, they want to sell papers.
4: Front page and starting a yeah. campaign. It's the editor. editor though, Sam. It's not the sports yeah. editor's decision that that is the editor of the whole paper. And and for me at the moment, apart from COVID and hospitals being full, probably the biggest story in Ipswich right now is how rubbish they are. And they're a huge club that should be getting promoted from League One. The fact that they they're so woeful right now. I think it's front-page news. I, I, I genuinely you, do. You
0: can have sympathy with me because the scars from being abused in Pizza Express on a Thursday <laughs> night are still quite raw. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: unlike the dough. Uh, so this is the East Anglian Daily Times, by the yeah. way, that we, we're talking about. And listen, about. I know I, I
0: know one of the journalists there and he's a great fella. Do you know what I mean? But I think what Adrian says there, I think there's been a few things, hasn't there, in the, in the press. There was the fallout from the commentator saying the wrong goal scorer in the game recently. And it's not always the journalist that puts out the article, is it? It can be someone in a more senior position who's actually um, the, the the one that pulls the trigger, if you like.
1: What do you think, Michelle? Should should they have kept this on the back page? I mean, there was a story about a new Aldi opening in Ipswich <laughs> as well, which I guess could easily have been the lead. <laughs> Look, there's, there's,
5: there's nothing more important to Ipswich fans than Ipswich right now, you know, and football we're still going despite everything going on. It's people's sort of light at the end of the week on a Saturday out a Tuesday. Um, it's really tricky because I really feel uncomfortable with sort of personal attacks and things like that. But I guess it's football and it's based on, on, on what he's doing. I read what the guys are talking about and there were some, some good points. They've lost to the current top seven. They've only scored two goals against them and, and they are pretty damning statistics and, it, it would appear they find him, understandably, pretty uninspiring. But I guess some people as a neutral will step back and they'll look at the table and they'll see Ipswich in ninth. OK, you, like you said, they're a massive club, Clarkie. You would expect them to be a promotion favourites. But they've got 35 points and they've got two or three games in hand on the teams around them. So I guess if Ipswich are going to make that change, you'd imagine it must be quite soon. Maybe to try and make that ground up with those games in hand. But should a paper, local paper be doing that? I know some local papers that, that literally have to tiptoe around clubs because, like we said, they don't think they'll get into the next game if they say the wrong thing, or they won't get an interview. Or, or some clubs that I know literally just just don't bother with the local journalists sometimes, which I think is really disrespectful. And it's always such a fine line, isn't it? You don't want to annoy clubs, but then again, you want to do your job. So um, I've been very neutral there, and I've sat on both sides of the fence, haven't I?
0: Cast in vote, Matt. <laughs>
1: Um, I'd have gone with Aldi, to be honest. Uh, the area has needed one for a long time. It's going to be a big boost. Abby lives with um, an Ipswich
0: fan. Get her on. <laughs>
1: uh, Abby's going to come on now because she's going to help us build this midweek hacker. My pick comes from League One. I'd like Sunderland to win at Ipswich. There you go. How's that for, for a segue, Abby?
3: What a shocking uh, decision that is! Uh, no, twenty-three to twenty for uh, Sunderland to win at Ipswich, um, as my husband glares at me. Uh, but if you want to punt on one-one because it's Sunderland, five to one.
0: <laughs> I'm all over that five to one. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's the bet, isn't it?
1: Uh, Sam, your selection comes from League One as well. You picked a different one, but I think you're going to be sticking a couple of quid on 1-1 at Portman Road by the sounds of it. Yeah, like the sound of
0: that, definitely. Yeah, which well, can't be any worse in front of goal and um, Sunderland are the 1-1 specialists. Revert to uh, our previous podcast when Clarkie was on fire with all those stats. <laughs> uh, what was your actual pick, please? I am going for... I didn't have a lot of time here. Sorry, guys. But I'm going to go for MK Dons against Charlton over 2.5 goals. I'm just going on MK Dons. Been quite free scoring recently. And defensive woes for for Charlton. I haven't got it in front of me, but I think it's eight out of the last nine games, they've conceded two or more. And I hope for um, their sake that they can get a little bit better defensively. But still missing a lot of players Gunter playing centre half lots of problems down there right hand side at the weekend against Swindon and just for the sake of uh, this bet let's hope um, it's a high scoring game
1: Abby what are the odds on that please
3: yeah odds on for over 2.5 goals 10 to 11 Uh, MK dons the favourites 5 to 4 Charlton 21 to 10
1: okay one more league to visit we'll do that momentarily
3: This is the Totally Football League show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
1: League 2 headlines. Forest Green go into second after their win at Leighton Orient. Grimsby and Southend remain rooted to the bottom as they both lost at the weekend. And it was Scunthorpe who took three points in the six-pointer with Grimsby. We're going to start with the goal fest at Boundary Park. though Oldham beating Newport by three goals to two. Newport played for 75 minutes with 10 men. Uh, that red card for Labadie, uh slightly harsh or entirely just? Oh, it's definitely
4: harsh. Yeah. No, he, he, I mean, obviously the arm connected with the player, but that wasn't aggressive. It wasn't a, a, an elbow. Absolutely not. And and yeah, I, th- I think the ref just maybe in his own head, it looked worse than than it, than it actually was. And, and and clearly that that impacted the game. It's only fourteen minutes in. I think Newport did pretty well, actually, all things considered, to go as sort of seventy six minutes with a, with a man disadvantage and make it pretty competitive. But yeah, yeah, Labadie, um, he is an aggressive player. But 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 for me, that was a yellow at most.
1: What's happened to Newport, Michelle? Seemed like to have fallen off a cliff. No are in seven now.
5: Yeah, um, I had a few draws in there, but. I thought I was I was thinking oh maybe it's the the pitch at Rodney Prade, you know, it's been absolutely dire, but there were a number of games called off there. And then I was I was looking at the highlights and I was looking at the statistics in this one and Newport when I watched them earlier this season, they wanted to play possession based and they wanted to pass the ball around, but they haven't really been doing that as much either. I I'm watching them tomorrow night against Carlisle. And worryingly for them is is what they have on their side with the games in hand the games that have been called off, but actually Carlisle have another two on them and they're only a point behind them. So I I haven't seen them for a few weeks now, but I'm intrigued to see what they're like against Carlisle, who aren't like, you know, they've had a a loss recently in that draw. But yeah, when you can't get a win from anywhere at the moment, even though they had that really impressive FA Cup game, it's just, yeah, it's going to really knock their confidence
1: uh, Sam Oldham, 18 points from, from losing positions. Is that is that good that they're resilient or or bad that they often fall behind?
0: <sighs> it's good that they're resilient, I think. <laughs> um, I spoke about Harry Kuehl focused on them defensively, but haven't seemed to be able to get that right. A, amazing away from home, the second best away form in the division, and that's only their third win. So in terms of a confidence booster... In now, which looks like a Harry Kew team in that he's done quite a lot of surgery. A um, couple of new signings, Nicky Adams' fantastic uh, debut. I thought he'd played for Oldham before, but it's just that little triangle, Berry, Oldham, Rochdale. I get awfully confused <laughs> and quite a lot of lads like just stay in that location for the entirety of their career. But yeah, he was, um, he was at Berry, wasn't he? So yeah, he did really well. And this one, Hillsner. He went to Coventry in the summer and I remember them being quite excited about it because they bought a few players from different European leagues and he's just not featured at all. And speaking to people at Coventry, he's been quite far off that first team. He played in central midfield and he was exceptional. I watched a bit of this game. So, you know, two really good performances there. A game that had everything actually. Really good fun. Um, there was even a Barney over a penalty at 3-2. It would have taken it to 4-2. McAlaney and uh, Bahambula had a a ruckus and the, the latter skied it as well. So I was laughing my head off. I was praying he put it over the bar um, after they'd had the 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 argument, which he did. And then Newport, as they so often do, rallied them really close to nicking an equaliser, which they, you know, scored so many late goals this season. But yeah, back to your question, great resilience, really important win and they've scored seven goals over Newport in their two victories in quick succession so a team to keep an eye on I would say maybe not for this season's playoffs but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a really good second after the season. Uh,
1: speaking of important results Scunthorpe 3 Grimsby 0. Uh, Clarky e, Mr Cox must have uh, pinned last week's pod up on the, the dressing room wall and said go and go and prove them wrong because we were saying that they were they were down and out and <laughs> helps when you play a team that's even
4: downer and outer I suppose. Yeah I don't know I, I, I... I've never seen them as down and out myself. I don't think they're you <clears throat> obviously not a top team this season, but I don't think they're, they're among the two worst. Um, they wanted it more, didn't they, in this game? I, I know it's an old boring cliche, but, but they definitely won the battle. Obviously it's a, it's a Derby and, and they had the aggression afterwards. I, I noticed that, um, Paul Hurst had said he was embarrassed and that his players had lacked fight and lacked heart. So I had a look at, at tackles, which obviously it tells you a little bit. It was 19 tackles, one by Scunthorpe, eight by Grimsby. So so that kind of, the stat backs up what Grimsby's manager saw. So yeah, they didn't have that much of the ball, Scunthorpe, but, but were, were really physical. And and they scored some great goals. I really, really liked the one at the end where, where Loft, the striker, drops in and then plays in the run of, of Issa, who who played as number 10. And and that's a great combination. You can't ask for any more if you're the manager, especially a manager that's brought Issa in from the wing to play centrally. It was it was a perfect goal for Neil Cox and, and a great day for him as well. Much needed. Um, Michelle, for Grimsby, big games
1: coming up against Barrow and Stevenage. It's quite early for Paul Hurst to be going in on his players, isn't it?
5: Well, maybe he feels an easy reaction, I suppose. Their goal difference is the worst in the league. Not helped by three defeats like that, and they don't have any games in hand to call upon. They played the most games down there, and yeah, perhaps he's just looking for a reaction. I mean, to be fair to Grimsby, I think they were missing a key couple of players. He basically was giving them a bit of a warning about their future. After, from what I saw about the the post match, seeing saying, you know, you've got to you've got to play for your your, your places, but also play for your futures. He said something like, if they want to stay in football, they've got to put in far better performances than that. So if he's there long-term, which he's probably saying to them, you know, he wants to be there for a little while, wants to keep them up, then they've got to prove to him that they want to be part of his squad if he's looking already to next season. But he's got a job to do this this season first, you know, over the halfway mark now, and he's got to try and get some sort of reaction. to massive games coming up. If they don't win them, it's pretty bleak, isn't it?
1: Certainly is. Um, last game we're going to look at, Morecambe 3, Colchester 0. Uh, from Mariners to Shrimpers. Then, as Morecambe move back into the playoff places, uh, still on negative goal difference, but but up into six. Uh, are, are they going to finish in the in the playoff places? Do you think, Sam? Do, do they need to to turn this goal
0: difference around in order to be able to do so? They probably need to improve away from home because the home form has been excellent. I think uh, one six and drawn two of the last eight. Loads to like about Morecambe this season. Um, obviously helped by the sending off of, of Harry Pell um, on the hour but Adam Phillips on loan from Burnley handing all three goals defensively very sound that was with a new goalkeeper as well um, Anderson uh, on loan from from Reading 19 year old I know we spoke about youthful goalkeepers um, on last week's show with, with Clarkie and I thrilled you all with my tales of the wonderfully named Shane Supple but no this was a, a really good performance some really good goals and like I said, you know, teams are going to find it really hard going there, given they've got momentum. Colchester's a really funny one, lacking a a real focal point. You think back to last season at this stage, um, I thought their weakness was in midfield. This point last year, they had Nublé, uh they had Poku, who was in unbelievable form. If you remember, I think he had nine goal involvements. He's he's created one goal this season. They had Norris. Uh, and they had Theo Robinson as well. Uh, so many options. I think that's where they're going to fall to. They're on a really bad run right now. Um, two huge games coming up. I think Stevenage and Scunny and they need to they need to win and they need to win quickly. Otherwise, the playoffs are going to be a uh, uh, a distant memory looking back to last season.
4: Yeah, I think Morecambe have got much more chance of being in the promotion mix this season. I just don't think there's any money at Colchester. They've, they've sort of let let some good players go as well so but on Morecambe you're absolutely right about Phillips of course um I just think their midfield in general is so full of goals Mendes Gomez 10 or well, 8 goals 2 assists Phillips 7 goals 5 assists two others Aaron Wildig and John O'Sullivan 10 goal contributions between them that's really impressive um and and Morecambe sort of have Cole Stockton as the target man, doesn't score that often, but the guys behind are really, really chipping in. And what they need to do is start to beat the big boys. <laughs> I've looked at who they've beaten and whatnot. If you take away five defeats against the current top five, so every so every team ahead of them, they've lost two. Take that away, one eleven drawn five, lost two. They've, they've, they've been phenomenal. So, so yeah, I think I play, the goals at the weekend, a different class weren't they it was, it was real team goals so uh, yeah but Morecambe in with a shout this year for sure
5: I just want to add to that Clarkie that I think Derek Adams is is a really good manager at this level lost his way a little bit with guy when they went up but yeah he seems just to know how to manage a team in this league and he's doing a wonderful job I know some people can find him a little bit dour but uh, he's he's doing a terrific job there
1: uh, Clarky, can you round off our, our ACA please with the selection from League 2?
4: Yeah, I can. Um, I liked Michelle's, uh Bristol City bet by the way. That was my first choice uh, but I've gone to League 2. Um, Barrow um, to beat Grimsby. Barrow brought in quite a lot of new players this month. They seem to be really going for it in terms of pushing up into mid-table. Their home form's improving. They recently beat Cheltenham 3-0 there of course and uh, and, and Grimsby are Rubbish, aren't they? At the moment, they're all over the place. Uh, can't really score, definitely can't keep clean sheets. So, so yeah, Barry to beat Grimsby, please.
1: Uh, Abby Adrian, get his excuses in early there just in <laughs> case, albeit it looks fairly, fairly secure. What are the odds?
3: Yeah, it's odds on four to five for Barry to beat Grimsby, and our accumulator as a total comes out at 16 to one.
1: Uh, wow. Okay. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the PaddyPower app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. All right. We're just about out of time. Before we go, though, the obvious question to ask after this weekend, which current EFL manager would be the most deadly slash vicious in a snowball fight? Who would you want to be on your side here? Uh, so not facing the snowball barrage. But helping you pepper somebody else, uh, Adrian. You can go first.
4: There was one one manager that just immediately sprang to mind because he looks like a big kid to me. He absolutely looks like a big kid, and that's Oxford's Carl Robinson. He just, I just get the feeling he would he would love a snowball fight more more than most, and I can just see him stuffing snowballs down the back of. You know the, the other teams next, whether they were little kids, grown ups, whatever. I think he'd get stuck in with a big smile on his face. Um Yeah, he, he'd love it, Carl Robinson. So yeah, he's my pick.
1: That's a booking for me. If you're ramming snow down other people's backs, by the way, that's not that's not <laughs> <pretty> snowball fighting <laughs> etiquette. Okay, so one vote for for Carl Robinson. Michelle, who are you picking?
5: Um I had a couple of choices in my mind, but I went for Wayne Rooney. Fitness levels are still high. He's only just finished playing. I had um, the pleasure of literally bumping into Wayne Rooney at Glastonbury a few years ago. (laughs) And we somehow completely accidentally ended up in the middle of about 30 people who were all his mates down from Liverpool for the festival. And one of them fell backwards into me, uh, capped down. I think he was wearing masks before they were a thing, sort of balaclava (laughs) up to his eyes. And he just looked at me as if to say, do not say that you recognize me. And uh, as I just, yeah, off off he bumbled. And then he did get recognized and literally a swarm of people came towards me, just legged it backstage. And he was still very, very flight of foot then. That was a couple of years ago. We know he could still play until a couple of months ago. I've thought about this and yeah, he could be, he could just add the fitness and I could just be behind him. It's not a problem. He'd be be the attacker and I'd just sit back and let him do the work. (laughs)
1: Wow, follow that, Sam. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> I, I'm I'm on board with both of them so far, actually. Wayne Rooney would be decent, and Carl and Robinson, I agree, would be really um, excitable, wouldn't he? He'd thoroughly enjoy himself. Um, I mentioned this to my girlfriend when we were having a, having a walk this morning, and she went straight away, didn't take a breath, the one who looks like a copper. That's uh, Sean Dyche. <laughs> and he does look like a copper, but um, he's Premier League. So... Um, I've got two. Again, last week I mentioned him, Nathan Jones. Be like a machine gun, wouldn't it? He'd be yeah. just like and be climbing on cars, on houses. It just be peppering. <laughs> and he, yeah, i have just petrified of him. And the other one, Jimmy Floyd. Can you imagine what he used to do with his right foot? <laughs> what he could do with his arm from oh, yeah. the accuracy and the pace. Yeah, there's my two. Yeah, and yeah. and probably Nathan as well. He'd probably put stones in his, wouldn't he?
1: you see that informed my choice because I thought about Steve Evans for a period but then I oh, thought so the fight's I. I going to be called Steve off well. yeah. yeah he's going to be putting grit he's going to be putting stones he's going to be putting yeah. all sorts in there and then and then not taking the blame but obviously my selection is Alex Neal it's it's the only one and it's it's purely to ensure that he and I are on the same side because as regular listeners will know I am terrified of Alex Neal and I think that he would destroy me in a snowball fight Um that was good fun. Uh, thanks for joining us this week, listener. Thanks also to Sam, to Adrian, and Michelle for their insight, and to Abby for her production, Wizardry. Ali and George will be back with you on Thursday. But until then, it's bye for now.
3: You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at thetotallyshow on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy
5: Power.
0: The Athletic.